and welcome to our brand new podcast series, Decade of Excellence, Reimagining Human Health. Through this series, we'll be celebrating the 10th anniversary of our bioengineering department here at the University of Texas at Dallas. My name is Shalini Prasad, and I am the department head for the bioengineering department. Thank you all for joining in on this particular episode. My guest today is Dr. Jackie Joroge, who is the strategy lead for North America Strategy and Innovation at Alcon. So she has bioengineering biosciences foundational training. And today we're chatting with her about the value of a bioengineering education and training and the opportunities that it might have globally. Thank you, Jackie, for giving us the time and welcome to this podcast. So I wanted to start off by asking you about your training and your background. Could you tell us a little about your background and what led you to pursue a career in biomedical engineering? Thank you for having me today. I'm I'm super excited to share uh, what I can with UT folks. My background, so I did my undergrad um, in biochemistry and biochemical engineering, um, a double degree of that with molecular biology in Japan. Um, and then uh, after that, I came to Dallas and did my PhD in UT Southwestern. So it was molecular microbiology with a focus in infectious diseases. So you can see that throughout, there's been an element of the biosciences and my education background. And that's because I've always been passionate about health and healthcare and and trying to understand the nuances of the the gene, the genome, the cell, and how that connects us and the environment around us. Since uh, graduating from UT Southwestern, I did a short postdoc there as well in the pharmacology department and then decided that I wanted to try something different. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do at first, but I knew I had a number of different skills. And at the time, I didn't want to necessarily stay in academia. So I, I explored different opportunities that were available. And credit to UT Southwestern Medical School, they have a great careers program where they bring in um folks from different um, alternative careers outside academia just to show what else is out there. And one happened to be um, a consulting firm and it, it piqued my interest that the idea that you can use the skills that you were trained in, the hypothesis driven thinking, um, the uh, that quality of being able to plan and think through Uh, vague concepts and then create uh, through the experiments that you design, you come up with the results, you figure out what the primary and secondary and even tertiary insights are from that. So uh, I I leveraged that um, into an opportunity at Boston Consulting Group, which is a consulting firm. And um, I was there for about two years doing a lot of things in strategy, but also not just in healthcare, but in technology, consumer. Um, And what I realized was I was still very passionate about healthcare and the idea of strategy as well. So when the opportunity came to join the strategy team at Alcon, um, it just felt like the right move where I would still keep um, 
practicing my strategy skills um, and trying to elevate them. But at the same time, I'm, I was going back home in quotes to healthcare and leveraging the, the skills that I got with my bioengineering degree in undergrad, uh, the skills that I got in grad school as well. That's great. Uh, thank you for giving us the overview of how we can get into doing global uh, relationships in biomedical engineering. Moving to the area that uh, you know, you're currently working in, so how do you think the field of biomedical engineering plays a role like in global healthcare? Uh, that's a very interesting question. So if, if we look at it in terms of how does uh, bioengineering relate to global healthcare overall, it's, it's a key component of where not only where we are right now in terms of um, identifying, solving global health uh, questions and issues, but it's also where the future is. Um, right now, as, as you all know, we're, we're going through a global healthcare crisis and you'll find that the solutions that we're identifying um, are requiring a lot of um, AI, uh, bioengineering-like work. Um, it's requiring a lot of uh, genetics engineering. It's, it's requiring a lot of elements that are core to both engineering biosciences. That in, in itself uh, shows that bioengineering is the future. Uh, when it comes personally to how I see it, I, I see it as a source of talent that can go in any direction that you want. Bioengineering, I, I believe, helps prepare uh, students to be able to do things like uh, uh, management consulting like I was doing or being part of a strategy team because it gives you the qualitative and quantitative skills that you need to succeed. Um, so in management consulting or in in-house consulting like I'm doing right now or strategy work, you, you need to be able to think through what is your framework of figuring out a vague question. If someone gives you a vague question of, we want to um, solve world hunger, for example, and just throwing it out there, most people would just start picking at different things that they've heard before. But um, a bioengineer is trained to create a framework around how they solve that issue. Um, they, they have a hypothesis and, they have, and they're hypothesis driven so they'll come up with a framework of this is a problem. These are the things to to test the solution. And then once I have the answers from that, so that might require some mathematical modeling of some sort. Um, from there, you have results and you're able to go beyond just the high level results and go deeper and, and find out what are the nuances that sets apart the solution. So those to me are, are things that are very important and are things that can be used by bioengineers to help with global healthcare. Looking on further, right? So what are some of the global healthcare challenges that perhaps bioengineering can help impact or make a change? Actually, I, I think a better question is what problems can a bioengineering student or graduate uh, be able to solve because I, I honestly don't think there is a global healthcare issue out there that a bioengineer 
cannot help with because at the very least, if you think about it in terms of, say, issues of management of care, once we have a solution, say, like we have the vaccine right now, managing how it is distributed, that's a bioengineering problem because you, you need to figure out where are the most susceptible people at, where is the virus heading, um, and that biomedical modeling question that can be done by a bioengineer if it comes to actually figuring out how the vaccine works. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are some bioengineers that were included in that. Whatever facet of healthcare you look at, whether it's on helping people stay healthy or once they're sick, bringing them back to health, all those facets are all those segments um, bioengineering does play a key role. That is very promising, especially for all the graduates who are coming out from this particular discipline. Help us a little bit to understand the value of an international experience. You've had a lot of global experiences in your career. So tell us about your international experience and how did this impact your career path? I come from um, a, a military background. So my dad is from a military. And because of that, we moved around a lot um, within the U.S. and, and globally. And, and I got a passion for um, seeing the world and experiencing different cultures. So when I got the opportunity to go study in Japan, I, I thought it was not only going to be something where I, I get a great education. Um, Japan has one of the best colleges globally, but it will also give me an opportunity to learn, immerse myself in a different culture, different language. And it did help to significantly help develop the person I am today. So um, other than that, so once I was in the U.S., there were also opportunities at BCG, so Boston Consulting Group, to work on global projects. Um, my expertise in languages, including Japanese, allowed me to uh, work on a, on a project that uh, had Japan connections. Now here at Alcon, I, I have opportunities, because Alcon is a global company, opportunities to work on projects that cover uh, different regions. And what that has helped me do is get to know people a bit better, um, going just beyond um, the people themselves and into the culture, into the, the why behind what they're doing. Uh, it's helped me uh, develop my empathy muscle. And so I, I think that is an important part of just being a well-rounded person, being exposed to other cultures, e even if you don't leave the country, um, especially now with uh, the pandemic, I haven't been able to travel internationally this year, but I'm still doing global projects uh, with technology the way it is today. You can still, in quotes, travel without physically traveling. So having partnerships with people in different countries. I, I did that in my grad school career as well. There was a project that we did with a British organization. So that was also another way to like I said, in quotes, travel without actually traveling. 
doing that just helps make you a well-rounded person. You get to hear other people's opinions that might be very different just because of their cultural setting or how they were trained in school. And by getting those different inputs, you're not only able to improve yourself as a person, but you potentially have the ability to come up with something that's out of the box that is innovative. Thank you, Jackie, for that insight and the ability to build the empathy muscle. I think that's very much important as we think of global uh, growth for our programs and the impact it can have. So if I am a student and I'm getting ready to graduate, how may I start thinking about how to get these international experiences? Uh, What should I be doing actively? That's an interesting question, Dr. Prasad. Um, So if you're close to graduating, obviously, uh, the sooner you start your exposure, the better, but um, it's never too late to start. And uh, depending on um, what kind of projects you're doing, depending on uh, what point you are uh, as you get closer to graduation, you can still get feedback from, for example, if if you're working on things that other labs internationally are working on, you can get feedback from them. You can, so that's more active. So having that interaction you can also do it in a passive way where you're, you're following um, the work of people in other countries that are similar to what you're doing, which is something I actually did while I was in grad school, just to, to understand what the landscape is. But that's a little bit passive. Um, the other active way of, of doing it, if you're close to graduation, um, would be just trying to get as involved with global related or international related things that are going on on campus, because that allows you that quick exposure. At this time, it it may just be virtual only, but it allows you to just uh, get to hear from other people that are different from you, but are still the same because you're all at UTD, for example. What are the things that make you different versus what are the things that make you similar um, and learning from that? If it's a little earlier on um, in in your UTD life, you can start trying to see other collaborations you can have with um, folks in other countries or even if it's folks in other states. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be um, folks in other countries. You can even find people within UTD to collaborate with that just um, have a different background, and by basis of them having a different background, they give you that exposure. Um, the other way I would say would be just um, identifying other competitions, conferences that you can participate in that are, if, if, if you're trying to get that global exposure, that are global, um, that would allow you to, if it's a competition, compete with um other people that are outside the U.S. If it's a conference, you get to listen um, and interact with folks that are outside the country as well. And right now it it might end up being virtual, but still all those, those are things that you could do depending on how close you are to graduation and you can still do them after graduation. Um, I still attend international conferences um, now in ophthalmology and optometry, because th- that's my focus. 
Um, but it allows me to, to keep track of what's going on um, in innovation in those fields. So that's something you can still do even after you graduate. That is so helpful. I think lifelong learning is something that we all have to agree that is going to help us advance and whatever we choose to do in our lives. One thing that I did want to ask you and probably end on this is generally when biomedical engineers think of careers, they think of very technical positions. So what may be other opportunities outside of a standard technical position, uh, which is that of a scientist outside of that? what may be the opportunities that exist in the field? They can always um, get my job. Uh, it's, it's not that I, I want to leave my job. I love uh, what I'm doing right now. But uh, what I do is, is a good example of having the bioengineering background, but doing something that is adjacent, that still leverages those skills. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm still working on innovation projects. So that requires me going to conferences and understanding what's new out there. I still need to have that scientific and engineering know-how to understand uh, the different projects that we have in pipeline, the different projects that competitors have. So that is something that someone can do. The the other one that comes to mind, obviously, is um, on the side of sales, where you pretty much do need, especially if you're doing biomedical sales, you, having that expertise, that background in bioengineering will allow you to better be able to speak to the doctor in a way that they understand because you know um, what the product is and you can translate that technicality into something more layman. Or um, kind of related to sales is the technical support team where you're, you're coming in and you're showing how a device works. You're not necessarily selling because some people might not want or might not be inclined to want to sell a product, but they can still come in, uh, describe how a device works as part of the pitch but then have um, a different person, a salesperson come in and do the final sell. So that is something that a lot of my colleagues have gone into where either they're selling, directly selling something, or they're helping the doctors, they're helping the labs better understand how equipment works. And then, like I said, you can also go into strategy because um, that is something that we're very well set up for. That's uh, really insightful. Thank you so much for giving us, uh, you know, or rather broadening our vision and horizon on our opportunity space that exists for being bioengineers. And thank you so much, Jackie, for this lovely chat. Um, you know, really enjoyed talking to you and getting a different perspective of uh, how to look at the biomedical engineering field and think of its value outside of what we may think as traditional scientists or science-related roles. Thank you for this talk. Thank you for having me, Dr. Patel.